0: Have you heard the name Daniel Day Lewis? Arguably one of the finest method actors of all time. Question for you then Would Mr. Daniel Day Lewis consider joining the Marvel Universe? Would he do a masala entertainer? Would he do a commercial pot boiler? If not, why not? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Ionisms, a podcast about society, art, entertainment, culture, pets, a little bit of geopolitics, and of course, movies. Today, I'm going to dive in to understand why serious actors don't take masala entertainers or is it the other way around? Let's find out. Now, before you gawk, bawk or drop your jaws on the floor, let me give you a parallel in Indian cinema. You have Mr. Nasruddin Shah, arguably one of the finest actors, method actors, if you will, in Indian cinema. You have Mr. Nawazuddin Siddiqui, of course, in a different generation and not to compare the both. But all of these fine actors have also partake in or also have taken part in commercial cinema. If you go back many moons, Mr. Shah actually did a movie called Tridev. It's an out and out Masala Entertainer. You can't say the same thing about Mr. Daniel Day-Lewis, would you? Now, the question I always ask is, how many of such movies make money if only a few people watch it? Think of some of the best works of Mr. Lewis. And I, just so that you know, I mean, I know you're on a morning walk, so don't stop walking, keep walking. (laughs) I hold Mr. Lewis in the highest regard, right? It's That's... Uh, not the question, not the problem statement. The problem statement again is, while making finest cinema, artistically nuanced, layered, textured, the when was the last time you saw such a movie went on to become a blockbuster hit, like a big commercial hit? Almost, I mean, I'm sure there are some exceptions, but by and large, no. You can think of, in Hollywood, you can think of Schindler's List, for example which went on to become a big colossal commercial blockbuster. But the underlying reason for that could have been that World War II was very real for America or for Europe. And so they identified it that much more. Some are even were at the time when it was released. We had third generation survivors, some second generation survivors and their families and extended families. So the movie did well. Commercially, strictly commercially speaking. But if you go on a long list of some of the finest movies, think of Brokeback Mountain, think of Lincoln, think of, and I'm not just saying Mr. Lewis's movies, but in general, some of the artistically better done movies, cinematically better done movies. They have traditionally done wonders at the awards circles, right at festivals. But when you start asking, well, if only a few people are watching it, how do they get funded? Who's paying them? I mean, if a movie, though artistically brilliant, is being watched by a few hundred people, does that really make sense? And if not, then how do you make Mr. Daniel Day Lewis join the Marvel Universe? Because that's the franchise or a set of movies which almost everybody is watching, is it not? And so it's a blockbuster hit, it's making money. And so if it is making money, then more such movies get made. Is that not what's happening in Bollywood, in Indian cinema, right? So sometimes I think Bollywood takes a lot of flack globally, internationally speaking, for producing very simplistic, almost borderline stupid scripts and which have no such great adherence to laws of physics <laughs> and sometimes there are loopholes and whatever, what have you, essentially poor scripts. They do not have great artistic merit, cinematic brilliance. You know, it doesn't raise the bar of cinematic ast- artistry. Okay. It cops a lot of flack on, on that count. Well, my question is, if on the flip side, you've, you know, what uh, erstwhile used to be called as art house cinema, what happened to them? You know, people were making realistic movies. Think of Mitch Masala, which got a lot of awards. Mr. Smita Patel and Mr. Nasruddin Shah's star. A very fabulous movie, as in from cinematic story standpoint, nuance, texture, editing, screenplay, dialogues. Brilliant movie. You think of Par, very hard-hitting movie. Think of, even you go back to the 80s, um, Mr. Om Puri's Ardha Satya. I thought that was one of the movies probably ahead of its times and the brilliance of the protagonist came through exceedingly well but none of them were commercial blockbusters and that is a trend which continues till date where else in the world do you see a very fine artistry become a massive commercial blockbuster hit i don't see that in hollywood so then why blame Indian cinema or more specifically Bollywood for that matter. Now here's the fun part, right? Think of Mr. Amir Khan's movies, especially Dangal, talk about Secret Superstar, to a certain extent, Tareza Aminpur. These were technically better made movies and commercially did well as well, is it not? Dangal, of course, went on to become an all-time blockbuster. Secret Superstar eventually became a big commercial success. And then Tares but not as big a commercial success, but very well widely appreciated. Nevertheless, you also have had movies like Three Idiots and P.K., which were technically not all that brilliant, but then had a strong script storyline and the enjoyment quotient was very high. So I'm keeping them aside, but these three movies in particular stand in that particular, specific bracket, which kind of touch upon both aspects of filmmaking. And in my mind, that is exceedingly difficult to pull off, where you're trying to raise the bar on artistic merits and also ensuring that it is available, palatable for a mass consumption. I don't see many Hollywood movies that cater to this particular effort or have done well in this effort. Now, one can argue Maverick, Top Gun, Maverick probably goes fits that bill. It pushes technical merits. It pushes artistic ability in terms of all the sound design, costume design, um, all uh, editing, all those technical aspects. But Purely from a story standpoint, I don't see Maverick as a big contender in that. So having both of these together in itself is a big challenge and Indian cinema should be applauded for attempting that. Now, Sometimes the needle moves a little too much and it kind of goes wrong, but more often than not, the attempt to find that right balance is always there whether they eventually become successful or not depends from director to director is it not but the mindset is first i want many people to because you are a captive audience right you're talking about 1.4 billion people assume 400 million don't watch movies you still have a billion people even if billion people watch the movie one time that's a billion tickets sold that is massive is it not and so people, the producer, the creators would want to create a movie which maximum part of this billion people come to watch your movie. How do you do that? You simplify content, you make it palatable, you make it, you have to understand the demography, right? So your demography as it stands today, that 60% of the population is below the age of 30 even about 20 25% is below the age of 20 or 25 or thereabouts so what that means is you suddenly if you start to show nuanced layered textured cinema it ain't going to sit well with them so what do you do right it's incredibly difficult to make sense to a developing mind not to underestimate quote unquote young people as in 20s who are in their early 20s or thereabouts But they'd rather prefer a song and dance, a happy-go-lucky, you know, something which is relatable to their lives. Like they've just are in college, exited out of college in their first jobs. That is a big crowd out there. And so if a movie is catering to that particular audience, my question is, what's wrong with that? I mean, why blame it? And therefore, you can't suddenly have very deep you know the windows opening slowly the fan is rotating and it stops the tracks are going on and on railway tracks right the classical sim- symbolism that we see in show versus tell whether there is no exposition where there is no uh you no know, verbal explanation projections if you will as compared to some of the very baseline cinema where it's almost like you're spoon feeding the audience. Now, if it's making the producers money and audiences are actually lapping it up, then why are we even complaining? Why are we going by the definition of Western cinema? You have to understand there's a geography angle to the story as well. You know, in India, we're talking about 482 people per square kilometer. It's a very densely populated country. Not the case. Say, for example, in the United States, it's what 118 people per square kilometer. It's twice the size of India, two and a half times the size of India, and one third the population. And so, what happens is the culture of the place is quiet. The culture of the place is space where people kind of speak softly. I'm just generalizing, but bear with me. I'm giving you the analogy why they are able to develop nuanced cinema because it reflects what their society is and where society is. Has, the geography of the place has an impact in the storytelling ability, right? So if you're looking up miles and miles of empty spaces, you know, forests where you, know, you go miles and there is one house somewhere. So the general culture is that of quote unquote, quiet peace, And therefore it does not warrant loud dialogues. It does not warrant in your face. Now you can say stories are stories, right? But largely the nuance element has become mainstream, say post the 50s, 60s in Hollywood cinema, right? Before that there were musicals, there were pretty uh, loud movies as well in early, uh, late 60s, early 70s, but slowly it has gravitated towards realism, realistic cinema because you have lesser people probably a higher degree of awareness technical awareness and the economic impact being that the country was more developed so you have that much more plausibility of all the stuff the advances that are happening and when they are shown in in movies people tend to relate to it a little bit more whereas how what how india progressed like from the 50s to the 60s think of the 71 war and then the emergency in 77 and all those kind of things. So economically, we were in, you know, just grappling to you know, stay afloat. It wasn't until 1990 or 91 where, you know, things started to turn around. But from 47 to 91, it was largely a grappling economy. where people were just basically living month to month to survive. I and mean, of course, there were rich people even back then, not to say that, but that number was significantly lower as compared to what they are today. And so post 1991, the society went through a transformation, technology crept into our lives and then post 2000, of course, it became an integral part of our lives. And then the exposure and the travels became that much more frequent and people earlier what probably knew of switzerland through a yes chopra movie now they were making two trips a year for a family and so the familiarity kind of grew that much more and all of this had an impact on the movies as well so as what you see now you have high budget movies with low nuance low texture or low layers, if you will, or simplistic movies, let's put it just that way, right? simple movies, introduction, body, conclusion, problem, statement, solution, You know, those kind of structures, which kind of sit well with this audience. And so you see how the geography, the landscape, the economy, all of this impacted the way the movies were made or are being made. Now, likewise for United States, right? Their economy, their society developed at a very different pace altogether, given their dynamics, which is a very spread out society, one that largely would want to be left alone to each their own kind of thing, where the familial bonding is not all that high. And again, I apologize for, again, I shouldn't apologize, but I'm saying, majority seems to be like that. Of course, people value families in America. I'm not saying they don't. But as compared to India, clearly there is no match, right? We are a quote-unquote family-driven society. And yes, we are slowly gravitating towards how, say, the Western world is, becoming nuclear families and all that. But still the balance is in favor of large families, right? And so my Point has been, why should we define success as how Hollywood defines their success? That, that's that been the root point that I think about. Why aren't we defining success the way we ought to define ours? And there have been the, the confusion happens because many a times Bollywood tries to become this poor cousin of Hollywood. Right, whatever they have done, let's do a mishmash, hash, fish fash and, you know, mix and match and then present it to the Indian audience. Who knows they have not seen, but that's where they're going wrong. If you have to be a complete out and out masala entertainer, stay rooted to your culture. There are enough stories, enough plot points, enough characters that you can pick on. You don't need to, you know, cut, copy an ice bike sequence or a ship sequence or, you know, those kind of things that you have seen in a Mission Impossible or a Ronin or any of those chase sequences and Bourne Identity and then replicated in Indian cinema. Can you not come up with something more original, something more unique? I think that's where the only discrepancy is. I'm not expecting some Indian cinema to suddenly turn around and become all serious and layered and think there has, there is space for that as well because you know of a billion people who watch movies not all like masala entertainers so some like you know nuanced movies some like you know textured you know non-linear movies but there are those majority who love watching a simple entertaining movie there's nothing wrong with that And so my only wish and hope is that there is originality. That to me is a non-compromising thing. Can't compromise on originality. The more original you are, the more refreshing the story comes across. That's where there's a missing piece. Otherwise, I don't see a reason why mainstream Indian cinema needs to emulate what Hollywood is trying to do. And so while people will keep funding Mr. Daniel Day-Lewis to keep on acting in method-driven movies, which maybe a few thousand people watch, in India, that probably won't cut it, right? We need return of investment so that more movies can get made, more people can get paid, more people can get entertained. And I completely back and second that thought. Like i said before if there is a degree of originality in the way that we are doing and we be proud of what we are doing we do not need to look to the west for answers we have all the answers available here well that's all the time i had for this episode of ionisms i hope you enjoyed listening to it Share this with your friends, especially those who care to listen to a slow burn, easy paced, real, meaningful conversation. If this is something that floats their boat, then please do share. And if you're so kind, please, please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the algorithms and it'll help the podcast reach to that many more people. Till we meet the next time, stay well, stay safe and keep listening to Ionisms. This is your host Ion, wishing you a great day and a great week ahead. Peace out.